This 710 podcast is brought to you by Francis Coppola's Diamond Collection Wines. Coppola's Diamond Collection offers the perfect wines to celebrate both big and small occasions this summer. Claret Cabernet Sauvignon is the perfect pairing with juicy burgers. And Diamond Sparkling Prosecco goes great with friends at your next garden party. Enjoy your summer with Diamond Collection Wines. Francis Ford Coppola Winery, Sonoma, California. Please drink responsibly. Monday Night Football in Cincinnati, a rematch of Super Bowl 56. That's the task for your Los Angeles Rams in week three. Good evening with DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. One up, one down so far. We'll dig into what we've learned about the Los Angeles Rams thus far. But first, DeMarco, how are you spending your extra day this week? Oh, we have an extra day? Because we don't play until Monday night. I'm married. It feels like a bonus day. I have a kid. I don't have extra days. How is your wife spending her bonus day, like I said? Making me do stuff. Yeah, you're both. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. A lot of day- daddy daycare this week, right? And That's all, all good. Ways. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're learning new stuff, which is really cool. Uh, Super Bowl, what they, uh, Super Bowl rematch? Wait, this is kind of past its sell-by date, right? By a year. Does it count 589 days separated from that fateful night at SoFi Stadium? 589? That 589 days mm-hmm. till you almost fell out of your chair at SoFi Stadium at the end of that game. You were about as whipped as McVay was. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's incredible is that I feel like Cincinnati has been lying in wait for this opportunity. At least their yeah. fan base has. Like, can we re-legislate whether or not that was a face mask on Jalen Ramsey by T. Higgins on the... Oh first play of the third quarter or pass interference on Cooper Cup and the red zone there on the Hollywood Drive. But I feel like they've got bigger fish to fry this week sitting at 0-2, and we'll talk about their desperation level. If they want to be a playoff team, this is a must-win for them. Yeah, they were calf short. (laughs) They're one calf short. A Joe Burrow calf short. But, yeah, they got their own issues. Uh, We we saw what the Rams went through last season, you know, coming off a Super Bowl. I mean, it's inevitable when you play that much football, something's going to happen, and you're going to go through ebbs and flows. And they're in the valley right now trying to to fight their way out. I mean, who would have predicted 0-2? And both losses in the division. So, yeah, pressure starting them out in Cincinnati. Let's get into what we've learned about the Rams so far, because you've had a uplifting victory and then what some have called a moral victory, much as Sean McVay would like to reject that sentiment and that phrase. I think even he agreed that it was a step in the right direction, that performance, that competition against the San Francisco 49ers. So as we begin this edition of Rams All Access, uh, for me, week one was about, hey, we're much better than you thought. Mm -hmm. Telling the league we are a force to be reckoned with. Week two was... We've got a ways to go still, but we've got the disposition to get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're, everybody, I mean, you were wrong about the Rams. Most people, except for Maurice, <laughs> were, were wrong about the Rams. Seattle proved that. Um, and I went on air saying, you know, I don't believe in moral victories. Uh, I guess I lied or I changed because they do hold some weight. Now, it's not everything, and they're very hollow because San Francisco's not worried about you. They got the victory. They're on to the next opponent. Um, you get the, the, I guess, you get the Duke of saying that, Hey, look, we held, we stayed with the best team in the league, or at least the best team in the NFC, but it does not matter. They're still kissing the prom queen, and you're going home playing video games. So it is what it is. They beat you. There were about 10 plays better than you in that game, which is, uh, I guess, a lot fewer than most people thought, but, you know, you still didn't get the win. That's the most important thing. All right, so now that we've got a second data point, Let's dig into what we like about the 23 Rams and what we think still needs work and better get right before they take on the Bengals. Mm. 
You can take either one of those. Uh, well, shoot. I'll What's start, top of mind? I'll start QB1. That's that's right here. Protecting right there, Matthew one? Stafford and his performance. Yeah, Same QB1. Uh, you know, we, 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 we watched him all OTAs, training camp, and then you go and you read social media and you see the lists, and he's 8 out of 10 of the top 10 quarterbacks. I'm like, wait a minute, man. I, I think you might have this guy pegged wrong. And it seems like he read those same things, too, because he is playing out of his mind right now. And because he is the type of quarterback who can beat any given opponent on any given weekend, the utmost priority is keeping him upright. We spoke about it the entire offseason and not just the offensive line, which I'll get to in a second, but play design, execution by eligible receivers, Stafford's own decision making and protecting himself. I think all of those things have been in alignment through two weeks. Yeah. The fact that he's only been sacked once and hit seldom. Again, anytime you can keep him off the injury report means you're going to have a chance to win the next game. I think he's doing a fantastic job of playing hard to get. I mean, he really is. Like you said it, changing the launch point. Uh, We were watching video of the game on Monday, and there was a play where he rolled out to his left and flipped his hips to the right and threw back towards the middle of the field. I'm like, that's the stuff we say that Rodgers is one of the best ever. Mm -hmm. He's doing that sort of stuff. And I love the pettiness. I said this coming out of Seattle, and I love the attention, the detail, and how much he demands out of his players. When somebody, I think it was Tutu, who had a route bust, and Matthew Stafford was not afraid to show that emotion, like, dang, get in the right spot. I love that out of your QB. That's an extension of your coaching staff. So that's a guy that's, willing people to be better that's the one thing we asked of him this year he's demarco far i'm jb long this is a week three monday night football edition of rams all access here on 710 espn we're running through the list of things we like about the rams so far there's enough of them here that we may not get to what needs work until our second segment but that's okay i want to go to the offensive line next and especially their discipline demarco because they've played two games of silent count they're going to do it again this week in the jungle of cincinnati stafford second in the league in attempts so that means he's dropping back to pass a lot no false starts i don't think they have a holding penalty and pass protection yet no uh, they got one face mask one right? yeah, yeah one illegal i think yeah Alaric jackson I'll in seattle grab I, recall, right? I don't mind that at all yeah <laughs> so for me it's coleman shelton in particular bravo at the center mm-hmm. position he's really outperformed and steve avila in the rookie class but especially that rookie left guard has been tremendous so far. They have. Um, you know, I guess Coleman Shelton being inserted into the starting lineup, um, it, it's, it's better than I thought it would. Uh, you know, run and pass. But as far as the pass is concerned and, and communicating, that's been great. A large Jackson at left tackle has been a revelation. It's really saved their bacon. As much as Brock Purdy saved San Francisco, that has saved the Rams. That saved the decision makers. So they've been great. Sean McVay has been in his bag, and his offense has always been offensive line friendly. So as long as you are smart above the neck, uh, phys- the physicality should take care of itself, and they've all been good so far. How about the fact that the Rams have one of the best offenses in the National Football League so far, based on just about any metric, and yet they haven't thrown a touchdown to a wide receiver or a tight end yet? That's encouraging because we know wow. that's coming. Yeah. They haven't been given a short field by their defense yet. No takeaways on defense through it's coming, two weeks. Though. That's coming. It's yeah. coming. Um, so I think those are all arrows pointing up and to the right. That should mean good things for the Rams. Uh, you pointed out a couple of things to me on film about the way they contain the run. Christian McCaffrey's numbers look good, but especially tackle to tackle on the interior, which was thought to be the Achilles heel of this defense, especially what we saw this preseason. I think 
the defense has been better than the sum of its parts collectively, but especially up front, I think they've done a good job combating the opposing's running game so far. Your guy, uh, Jonah Williams, you you had him on Rams Revealed and, and talking to him about how he feels about the defense. They feel like they're together. He said th- that they are more together than they've ever been in the last three years, which says a lot. That's a Super Bowl winning defense that we're talking about, but it shows they're all 11 to the ball carrier at, at, at every single moment, at every single play. More assists than solo tackles. That is a bunch of guys hustling, trying to go get it. So, yeah, they did an, a great job on McCaffrey. If you take away, I know this, I call this the D ratio. If you take away McCaffrey's long run, I think he's, what, 19 carries for 56 or whatever it is. I mean, that's... That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. So uh, you let one get out. McCaffrey will get out. But uh, f- the other 57 plays I thought were great against the run. The assisted tackles, is that something you look at regularly? Yeah. As an indication of rallying to the ball? It's or? happened before years ago when I asked. I asked a coach. I said, what do you think when it, you know, when you see more assisted tackles and solos? He goes, that's a bunch of guys pursuing. That was like three or four years ago. And then it happened again uh, against San Francisco. Uh, they had more assisted tackles than solo tackles. And then when you turn on the tape and you start it at the, at, at the start of the play and stop it at the, at the end, there's at least nine or ten rams in every single frame. You know, of every paused dead play, which means they're running to the football run and pass. That's the stuff that will take you from a good defense to a great defense. You know, Seattle has a run first reputation, real or imagined. San Francisco, the best rushing team, maybe this side of Philadelphia, in my estimation. But don't overlook Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. I know you've looked at the film, too. He looks great in the Cincinnati backfield, despite all of their struggles on offense. uh, This is a, what do you call this? This is the draft term when you go to the combine and you're evaluating players and how they look. Joe Mixon has a great bubble. And you know what I mean by bubble. (laughs) The dude, I mean, he is You need a bubble to be a back in the NFL. He's got a bubble. And should be a star, right? For as much work as he's put in in the National Football League, I bet if you put him in a lineup, you couldn't pick him out. But you know what he looks like on the field, so and he's tremendous, and he has been Joe Burrow's saving grace, the offense's saving grace, kind of the steadying influence, and Joe Burrow, with the way the calf is, he's getting the ball out quick, so that means a lot of check downs. So this is a guy you're going to have to rally to the football to. You cannot trade one for one with him. He's going to break tackles, he'll make you miss, and off to the races. It, it's going to take gang tackling to get him down. I got one more in the what we like category that yep. I wasn't necessarily expecting, and then we can step aside and come back with some things that need corrections going into week three and that is Brett Maher to me looks more than serviceable as your place kicker I'm still holding my breath you know it took a minute it took a minute for Matt Gay to like okay I can trust you I'm getting there he's you know he's missed twice from outside of 55 one was blocked one had the leg just just off target in Seattle but on the list of my concerns he's not one of them right now okay that's that's awesome coming from where we were in, in training that's camp. exactly what i mean yeah yeah it's different now but i mean like when i'm doing the sideline right like if it's matt gay or, or zerline back in the day i could look at the line and not look at the goalpost because i know once he lets it go it's good i'm almost there i'm getting there i'm getting there with okay Mark. so maybe not as much of an asset as greg the leg or matt gay used to be yeah but also not the feared liability that we were thinking that position might be in August. Yes, I'm not holding the the plain vomit bag. I feel okay now. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least to to let the guy kick it. Absolutely. Yeah. The one one Rams go to face the Owen two Bengals this Monday night in Cincinnati. We're previewing all of that coming up. What needs work after the Rams two games start? Demarco Far, JB Long, with you tonight on Rams All Access 710 ESPN. 
Coming up, we've got Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. What is the latest on Joe Burrow, his calf, and his status for Monday Night Football? But we continue on with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, with some Super Bowl memories in this segment. But let's uh, get to what we promised, which is now that you've got two data points on the mm-hmm. 23 Los Angeles Rams, it hasn't all been perfect, but I think that's part of the optimism is, hey, we've got a, a short list of things that we know we can improve as soon as this Monday night. What's on that list for you? Uh, well, I mean... Wouldn't you say running the football? Run game efficiency. Boom. Are you staring at my uh, notes? Is that, is that what you got Two there? segments in a row you yeah. got me at the top of my list. That's the one thing you'd love to have um, to, to offset what Matthew Stafford is doing and to keep the defenses uh, that you're going to play honest. Um, when they're afraid of the run, you have to – look, you have to call it that way. You have to commit a safety to the line of scrimmage or at least get vision on the line of scrimmage, which opens up the passing game. But Matthew Stafford's been able to do it, and they've run it enough to be consistent – to keep you honest, but I mean, you'd like a few more long runs or to, to break a few. So I, I guess the run game should improve. I agree. I will say the caveat to that is four red zone rushing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. You have shown that you have the muscle up front to push a pile, to get on your blocks on a short field and punch it in, which is great. I think that bodes really well. But yeah, less than three yards per carry, bottom five in the National Football League. Um, let me pause here because I know people are going to want to get DeMarco Farr's take on the latest installment of the Cam Akers saga oh, and eventually gosh. his trade yeah. to Minnesota. How would you summarize that so that we can move on to the Kyron Williams era? Man, look, I like Cam as a person. I do. He was one of my favorite players to talk to and a guy you rooted for uh but i'm not in the meeting rooms i'm not on the practice field so i have no idea uh all i know is this is two years in a row you know Mm -hmm. where something broke down where you're healthy and you're not playing and your team needed you and you're not there so uh, it's disappointing uh i wish him well in minnesota uh it's kind of funny that he goes there they have a need and they know him there at least with the head coach so yep uh sad but i'll tell you this man kyron williams has been a revelation to me i didn't think he was that tough you know as tough like you can give him the football on the goal line and he'll punch it in and get in short yardage stuff so you know maybe i was wrong about him maybe he can carry the load so, I mean, look, one down, another steps up, and, and, you know, we haven't looked back since. But it's just a shame that stuff like this has to happen. I do look at the Cincinnati defense, and I see that the Ravens go for 178 yards on the ground. Granted, their quarterback is part of that running game, nearly five yards per clip. The Browns ran for 206 and 5.2 yards per carry. Now, I'll say a couple of things. First of all, Cincinnati has not had a lead yet. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this is game circumstance and good rushing attacks that they're facing. And also defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo has not gone anywhere since Super Bowl 56, and he did as good a job stopping the Rams run as just about any opposing defensive coordinator we've seen in, what, seven years of Sean McVay. You know, and I'd say a lot of that happened in the meeting room and with motivation because those guys were getting off blocks up front. So it wasn't like anything schematic that it was new, but these guys were playing out of their minds. They wanted to win that Super Bowl. So, you know, if that shows up, anybody's got problems. The same thing was happening in Seattle this year with the Rams. I mean, some of those guys just refused to stay blocked. Uh, And even in San Francisco, you had opportunities to where you had hat on a hat and just couldn't make the one free hitter miss. If you make that guy miss, it's off to the races. So, you know, hopefully if you stay with it, you'll make a miss. You'll make something happen there. But, yeah, Cincinnati, to me, they they are the perfect opponent coming off San Francisco. They really are. I mean, that the Frisco D-line is like the heavyweight champions of the world. This is more of a top five opponent. You can run on them. 
they they need more of a setup to get to your passer. Uh, outside of Joey Bosa, he's a guy that can make it happen from play number one. These guys have to warm themselves into it. So if you keep them off balance with run and pass, you can keep them off balance for four straight quarters doing it. The make-you-miss element is the one thing I'm not sold on with Kyron Williams. Mm -hmm. I know he can run through you. Mm -hmm. I know he can turn three into five or five into seven based on sheer determination. I don't know that he's got that true RB1 ability to take on you know, a free rusher, a free tackler, and make that first guy miss. I haven't seen a ton of that yet. And that's fine, as long as you, you can offset that with, you know, with an all-world passer in Matthew Stafford. There's right. your trick bag there. But just run the ball to keep them honest. And like you said, if you can get turn that three into a five, so be it. Second and five or first or third and one. Perfect. Uh, but if you can have one of those days, and it might be coming up against Cincinnati where you have the right opponent, Kyron Williams can turn himself into a bell cow back for one game. And this could be it on Monday night. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. This is Rams All Access. And we're at the point in the show and in the point of the season where we're saying, okay, the Rams are good. How do they get to great? I've got one more on offense and then a couple on defense. I think you agree you got to get Van going. Cooper Cup's return is at least two more weeks away. He mm -hmm. won't play this week in Cincinnati. He won't play next week in Indianapolis. Van Jefferson has unfortunately not been in lockstep with Tutu Atwell, with Puka Nakua, with Matthew Stafford in the passing game. And it's not just him, but I would say a corollary to that is the Rams have seven drops, most in the National Football League, two more than any other team. So as productive as their passing game has been, it's not yet complete. Yeah, Puka's dropped a few, but he's made plays. Some of it's volume, too, when you're throwing it as much as they are. Yeah, some he, are going to end up on the turf. 15 catches, he drops one or two. It's not so big. But when you you know put them all together, it looks bad. But, I mean, look, Vans has some opportunities. The one in Seattle, I'm still sick over. Me too. Absolutely. I'm sure he's sick over it. Maybe that's the problem going into to week two. You, you think you're snake bit. But there's some other stuff. Um, and I showed you this video on Monday. When you watch San Francisco and their receivers block on the run, it looks like a street fight. They are going after – even Brandon Ayuk is going after people. Right. So when you flip it to the Rams, uh, you know, Van has to bring that same sort of effort. It's not just about catching passes. It's about, you know, how you relate to this offense. How can you help out in the run game? So I think he can play a little harder. You know, I really do. And I hope he brings that on Monday because, like you said, there's some guys that aren't going to wait. I'd love to see Robinson play, wouldn't you? Demarcus Robinson, yes. Yeah. But to get him on the field, somebody's got to come off. You can make it easy. Keep dropping them and keep showing up on film, slowing up before the play is dead. They'll put them right in. So I hope the best for Van, but, you know, this is about moving the football. In that regard, snap counts and targets will be telling. Mm -hmm. I think the same is true on the other side at the corner position. The truth is probably somewhere in between. They're not a defensive secondary that's going to pitch second-half shutouts every week like mm -hmm. they did in Seattle. But I also think they're better than they performed against a very good receiving core of San Francisco. Yeah. See, I was trying to text this to you, but I kept erasing it. Um, this week is going to be tougher than it was last week. Uh, that's kind of a hybrid offense. They want to run the football. It's very tricky. There's a lot going on. San Francisco's yeah. yeah. And then they you catch them in man coverage and you got to make plays. And they were close. They fought hard. But... T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are a whole different level. I agree. So this will be a. This is why the first thing I sent you was all eleven to the football. You got to help out your corners when these guys make these stop routes, and they will make stop routes and catch it. You have to have people that will pursue and help the corners out and get these guys on the ground because a short gain can turn into a long one in a, in a heartbeat if you miss a tackle. And as close as we felt like the Rams were to knocking off the San Francisco 49ers in Week Two at SoFi Stadium, it was also pretty close to being a blowout. If the quarterback for San Francisco, Brock Purdy, 
hits a couple of deep shots. Yeah, he missed a few. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some opportunities there. I mean, that's the sobering thing about moral victories. When you go watch the tape, whoa, okay, there's one there, there's one there. And the Rams miss some. Everybody misses some. But Joe Burrow, and what did I say? He's a credit to the forward pass. He makes it look so easy. You could tell these guys are simpatico. So um, the touchdown he threw to Higgins in the corner where he threw it behind him and Higgins toe-tapped and caught it Gorgeous. and just dropped. It was just, oh, my God, just beautiful. Frame that. Were you like me? Were yeah. you watching that tape being like, if I didn't know that Burrow was hurt, if I hadn't seen him doing the Theragun on the sideline deep in that game, I don't think I would have known from his performance that he's anything less than 100%. If I hadn't looked at the Bengals' box score – I don't think I would see a deficient offense from what I'm seeing on tape. They look the same as they always have Yeah, in isolation, in single-play reps. And I, I heard, I listened to him, he said he, he had hurt the calf or, or aggravated it two plays before that touchdown pass. And I'm like, really? I can't tell. You know, he was under pressure. He faded back and kind of whipped one to the corner. It was just, oh, my God, that's just gorgeous. And I'm thinking, who is that over there? Is that DK or would that be Durant? Could he make that play? I'm not sure. You know what I mean? So if you don't get pressure, if you can't get them down, those guys, those receivers are going to win in the open field. There's a tension right now, and and it could be a productive tension for Zach Taylor and the Bengals between wanting to protect their quarterback and his injury. So they've dragged his time to throw all the way down to historic levels, his average depth of target down to historic levels. I told you they're giving him like the Jimmy Garoppolo game plan, Mm -hmm. right? They're saying we've got the weapons out on the perimeter. What we aren't going to do is jeopardize our season by making a bump or a bruise turn into a season ending chronic, chronic injury. However, that's not how these Bengals are built. Jamar Chase is saying, throw the deep ball. Mm-hmm. This is what we are all about. This is our identity and you're taking it away from us and that's why we're 0-2. Well, that's the shame of it. I mean, that's football. Sometimes it happens. He's ready to go now. He's ready to explode except and Burrow's not ready and he's the franchise. So that's why I said Mixon is your first problem because they're dumping the ball off to him quickly. So if you're Raheem Morris and any defensive coordinators, how do I get Joe Burrow to, to hold it? And try to find. I mean, that that tackle Joe Mixon on first down. Absolutely, yep. and 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 really, when you're on offense, when Matthew Stafford's out there, ball control, drag their defense, and and shorten the time so Joe Burrow has to stand in the pocket and deliver deep. If if that happens, you can get to him. He's not mobile, or he'll dump it. And their offensive line continues to be yes a concern, not just you know, for objective observers, those closest to Cincinnati have known going back to that Super Bowl season. They tried to address it. They tried to bolster it. And here we are again, especially guard to guard, where it looks like a day where Aaron Donald can feast. It looks like if you can get those favorable down and distances. Where's Adam? Can I, can I say, I have to say this. I told Jonah Williams this. If you can do that to, to Trent Williams, then you should kick everybody else's ass, especially this guy that's coming up next, really. And I like Orlando Brown. I really do. But he's no Trent Williams. So if you can toss that big guy, you should be in the backfield every single play this week. Absolutely. Adam Bronstein, our great producer, here with us on Rams All Access, as he always is. All right, real quick, reflections on Super Bowl 56. You know that when the Monday Night Music theme plays and they do their production, Sports Center leading into the kickoff, there's going to be a lot of reminiscing about the Rams winning the world championship at SoFi Stadium. As we get set to travel to Cincinnati, what still sticks with you from that day, that night? Wow. Uh, Aaron closing the show, (laughs) you know, um, and it was like two games in a row, the NFC Championship and then the Super Bowl, and he's doing the ring thing. Um, It was just surreal. I can't believe this is happening. Um, And 
being this is so weird. I'm it just as a broadcast team, being so in tune with what we're watching that I knew where the play was going to cup. And I'm standing right where he caught it. Like, wow, they're going to him here. And the fact that you had no one else. It was just Stafford and Cup out there. You know what I mean? Everybody else is hurt. That this wow, I I, I hate even thinking about it because it seems like it didn't happen and I don't want to wake up. You know what I mean? It was awesome. Yeah. The fourth and one jet sweep to cup even oh. before the, the touchdown catch. <laughs> yeah. They run it at Bryson Hopkins, right. the backup tight end, who was inactive at wow. other points in the in the playoffs there. And that's the level of trust, the level of participation and commitment uh, that had to bring all those stars into alignment. You said a name on this program last week that I want to circle back to because I thought of him again, and that is Nick Scott who is now a Cincinnati Bengal. He was banged up last week, went through the concussion protocol, I believe. Don't know if he's going to be available for this rematch with the Rams. But his hit on Debo Samuel was the comment last week that made the difference in that NFC championship. Also got one on A.J. Green and the Arizona Cardinals. What he and Eric Weddle did on the back end of that defense during the Super Bowl run will never get enough credit. No. We'll never, because of all the other things that we have to talk about, wow. we'll never be able to tell the story of a seventh round special teams ace drafted by Bones Fossil, starting next to a two-year retired safety Eric Weddle, tearing his peck and holding up just long enough to win a world championship. What did I hear? Uh, uh, the, the, the best car you can build in NASCAR is designed to like finish and blow up. <laughs> <laughs> that's Eric Weddle, right? That's, that's the, uh, the car racing equivalent of leaving it all on the field. That's like it, leaving right it all there. on the track. Yes, the wheels fall off. Love it. <laughs> all right, we're coming back with four down territory. My counterpart from Cincinnati, Dan Hort, is a great guy, and he'll have some insight for us on the Bengals as we travel to Cincinnati for Monday Night Football. Plus, DeMarco Farr and I have an intriguing installment of our playoff eliminator contest and games that matter in the NFL this week, not just within the NFC West, but between the AFC and NFC. This could be a week that we look back on in week 18 with serious implications on the Rams' playoff chances. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. This is 710 ESPN. Uh, no, not yet. Just taking a day-to-day right now. Will he practice full today? We'll see. I, I doubt it'd be full if he's out there, but um, we'll see. It's you know, soreness is, is an issue right now. And so giving him some time is best. And so um, that's all I'll say about today. How much of it is for the game, the medical staff's call versus Burrow's call, considering it's, you know, a little bit of a soft tissue injury? Involves everybody. How difficult is it, Zach, for you and Brian on a week like this when there is a degree of uncertainty coming up with game plan, practice reps, who takes what, which reps of practice? It's part of the business. You know, you're always preparing all your guys. Um, you know, you, you're always preparing your backup quarterback no matter what. And so, again, this week we're forward to next day, which is a positive. Um, and we'll just we'll see how the practices go. That was Cincinnati head coach Zach Taylor as we welcome you back to Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. Of course, the news of the week coming out of Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's calf injury and the fact that he re-aggravated it in a loss to Baltimore last weekend. Clearly his status still up in the air, but if he does play, he will be playing through pain on Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles. Rams. Let's get to four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponents territory. And this week, we're lucky to have my counterpart from Cincinnati, Dan Horde, the voice of the Bengals with us. I uh, wish we got to see the Bengals more on the Rams schedule because Dan is a great person and a great professional. Uh, looking forward to another tour of Cincinnati. Uh, Dan, you gave us such a great one a couple of summers ago. 
Yeah, when Aaron Donald wasn't swinging his helmet and the Bengals were not uh, overreacting to things at practice, that was a great visit. So looking forward to having the Rams back in town. Well, it is an elite helmet matchup on Monday Night Football, among other great storylines. Let's start with this. 0-2 is not unfamiliar territory for your Bengals, but this feels a little bit different here in 2023, Dan. What's the level of urgency, if not desperation, for the Bengals right now? Uh, extremely high on both counts for obvious reasons, not only because of an 0-2 record, but in this case, both losses were inside of the AFC North, including a home loss to the Baltimore Ravens. So you hate to lose, you know, use the term must win in week three, especially one year after you started 0-2 and made it to the AFC championship game. But it certainly feels close to that here in Cincinnati. I understand that you are talking to us from the practice field and Joe Burrow is taking his place on it. It sounds like this is going to go all the way into Monday. Let's just assume he does play, but regardless, implications if he does or if for some reason he cannot from your perspective for this offense. Well, he started to play well last week. He struggled in week one against Cleveland after missing five weeks of training camp with his calf injury. They opened the game last week with back-to-back three and outs in the loss to Baltimore. And then after that, on the next five drives, he looked like Joe Burrow again. He played well. They scored on three of those drives. Should have scored on a fourth, but they threw a red zone interception. So if Joe Burrow plays like he did for most of the game last week, I think the Bengals' offense could be in pretty good shape. Uh, If he doesn't, if he plays like he did in week one, or if he can't play at all, it's obviously a big drop-off. That's nothing against Jake Browning. I think he's a talented backup, but he's not Joe Burrow. Yeah, Dan, I have to say that watching the film, if I didn't know that Burrow would break out the Theragun by the end of that contest, I wouldn't have assumed that he was playing at less than anything less than 100%. All right, Dan Hort is our guest on Four Down Territory. Looking forward to Monday Night Football, Rams and Bengals. Dan, third question, it's always about the offensive line in this sport, but what state is the Bengals' offensive line in as they prepare to host Aaron Donald and the Rams? This is the best offensive line they've had in the Joe Burrow era. They've spent a lot of money over the last couple of years trying to beef it up. They signed three free agent offensive linemen last year, and they signed the best available free agent offensive lineman this year in four-time Pro Bowler Orlando Brown Jr. I thought the offensive line was spectacular last week against Baltimore. We know Baltimore has a salty defense. Joe Burrow wasn't sacked. He really wasn't pressured much. He didn't have to test the injured cap very much. Now, that's hard to do against Aaron Donald. Even if he doesn't have sacks, he's going to get close. He's going to move the quarterback off his spot. So that's another area of concern with Joe dealing with this cap injury. You don't want him to have to move around much, but when you face the Rams, the quarterback almost uh, is assured of going to have to. Yeah, and finally, Dan, rushing totals surrendered to Cleveland and Baltimore look pretty substantial. The Rams have yet to get their running game on track. So here's what I wonder about the Bengals. Is the run defense leaky? Is it a true concern? Or is it more a product of the fact that Cincinnati hasn't yet held a lead this season? I think it's the latter, and I think it's also the opponents in the first two weeks. They faced a healthy Nick Chubb in week one, and he topped 100 yards. They faced the Ravens with Lamar Jackson back last week, and that's a hard team to stop when he's scrambling around and adding about 50 yards to their rushing total. So a combination of being behind in every game and facing those two teams, I think, added up to some bad numbers versus the run. They're next to last in the league in rushing yards allowed. 
But this has been a really good run-stopping defense. Nearly everybody is back. They were seventh in the NFL last year. So I think long-term, it's going to be fine. But you're right, it hasn't been very good in weeks one and two. All right, Dan Hoard, our guest on this week's Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. A long wait for Monday Night Football, but Dan, looking forward to spending it with you in Cincinnati. We appreciate your time. You bet, JB. Thanks for having me on. All right, back to Joe Burrow. Watch 2023. There he goes, Dan Hoard, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll be back with DeMarco Farr and the rest of Rams All Access, a week three Monday Night Football preview after this on 710 ESPN. All right, still to come, we'll get our keys to victory for Monday Night Football against the Cincinnati Bengals, but let's get to some games that matter in the NFC within the West and also across conferences. The AFC and NFC have a couple of big ones this week. With DeMarco Farr, I am J.B. Long. This is Rams All Access, a week three edition. Rams at 1-1, one one, Bengals at 0-2. But first, DeMarco, I have a question for you. Shoot. Which of these NFC 2-0 teams do you believe in most i think unexpectedly 2-0 the atlanta falcons the new orleans saints the tampa bay buccaneers look out for the nfc south and the washington commanders falcons saints bucks commanders which 2-0 nfc team do you believe in oh man give me those teams one more time falcons saints bucks all out of the south so they can't all be this good yeah and then the commanders I think I'll go with the Falcons. I think uh, I'm not sure about the Falcons. Um, their two victories are against, do you know? Let me find out. Uh, Green Bay most recently. Yeah. I'm blanking on week one. But, uh, okay. Um, just off the top of my head, without going into it too deep, I'll say the Atlanta Falcons. Um, still trying to find it. I think they're still patchwork. I'm not sure what they're... What they're Beat the Panthers yeah, in week one. With a rookie quarterback. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the Falcons. Okay, You? I kind of do it by process of elimination. Yeah. I like what the commanders have done so far, including going to Denver and getting a win. But because of the division they play in, I cannot take them in good conscience over Dallas or Philadelphia. So I think they'll come back down to earth over time. But someone's got to win that NFC South. So I'm between the Saints and the Bucks. Much as I love Baker Mayfield, <laughs> I'm probably going to lean to Carr and the Saints. Okay, that's in terms of which one of those four has staying power. That's why I that's didn't I pick did Tampa because I'm like, wait a minute, you can't count out Baker Mayfield, man. We saw it here. The guy, if anything, is competitive. Can't count him out, but also can't count on him for 17 games. Absolutely. We're not talking about making the playoffs, right? We're just talking about being solid and not having the bottom fall out. All right, so let's get to our playoff eliminator contest on that note. Each week we draft teams that we think are done. And it's pretty early. It's still September. But we have a pretty good sense of teams that are not going to be playing beyond the regular season. We've done this for a couple of years now. Whoever collects the most teams that miss the playoffs without going over, meaning without drafting a team that does get into the postseason, wins our playoff eliminator game. DeMarco had the first pick this year. He went with the Houston Texans. That looks sound. I had the Arizona Cardinals. So far, so good there. After they let almost <laughs> the Giants score on five straight possessions, I believe, four touchdowns and a field goal to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Oh, man. DeMarco was a step ahead of everyone. He picked the Chicago Bears last week, and given all the drama at Hallis Hall, I think that looks like a winner. And by winner, I mean a loser. Uh, in all the right ways for DeMarco. So there we are with three teams chosen. DeMarco has Houston and Chicago. I have Arizona. And I have two 
this week that I would really, really like to take, and I'm having a tough time choosing between them. Who's going first? It's my turn it's to pick. It's your turn? Okay, go ahead. Are you prepared to make a pick this I'm week? I'm prepared to make a pick. Okay. I'm ready to go, and this will be historic. I won't tell you who I'm deciding between oh. in case I give you one, <laughs> but I will take the Denver Broncos. Okay. I'm going right. Denver Broncos because of their slow start. Even though Russell Wilson looks a little resurgent, one, I don't like the 41 nothing taste in my mouth from yep. preseason game number three so i'm anxious to bet against the broncos to fade them also because their upcoming schedule is grueling and if they haven't got a win yet i think it's going to be a a tough road to hoe so does that mean you believe in the raiders a little bit it means chiefs you got them right yeah uh chiefs i think the chargers are better than their record okay although i don't want to steal your thunder just in case but i'll stay away from the chargers and yes having already beaten the broncos head to head i do favor the Raiders I, I even though the Raiders yeah. might end up in this playoff eliminator contest later in the year I thought I saw buzzards swirling in Los Angeles so they may be swirling over Brandon Staley mm. that roster is too dang good to be 0-2 you're not going to do it are you what you're not drafting the Chargers no I'm not going to okay. draft the Chargers yeah. no no this will be historic the they, one I'm I, I never thought I'd say this but I mean look um God has left the building a long time ago so I'm going to pick the Patriots <laughs> there is no way in okay. that division. Yeah, go ahead. I like that because I, I also considered them. Let me write down New England yeah. in your category so I don't forget. You now have Houston, Chicago, New England. Okay. Betting against Belichick, why? Because I, I must be nuts. I'm crazy. I don't think you are. Yeah, I, did, I just don't see it. Are they getting past Buffalo and no, Miami? No, not at all. That's what I'm saying. So even without Aaron Rodgers in that division, you're still fading Belichick. I'm still picking the Patriots to miss the playoffs. I know. Look at everybody in the room. <laughs> I was right there with you. Uh, somewhere when the 405 hit the one and one, 101, I said, you know what? I'm going to hold off. Oh, I wow. just can't do it. But I'm not surprised that you're going there. The one that I wanted, which I will not take this week, okay? So okay. coming back for week four, it's still my pick. Yeah. Because you just picked New England. So I got it next. And I will, in all likelihood, take the Carolina Panthers next week. <sighs> but I'm going to use one more week of information before I pull the trigger okay. on them. Okay? I see you. Rookie quarterback. Come on, Thomas Brown. That's right. our guy, though. Yeah. Let's get to some things that matter more than this game and some games that matter. I think we're the only show that does this. And it's probably because I'm neurotic. But I watch AFC NFC matchups closely each week because, in terms of the Rams' playoff chances mm -hmm. nothing helps them more than an afc team handing an nfc team a loss they all count it all adds up it all helps you've changed my thinking on that yeah so there ahead. there are a couple this week and i'll start with the least among them bears at chiefs mahomes i don't think anyone is going to factor the bears into their playoff no picture so doesn't really matter but there you go um this one does matter. Bills at Commanders. Wow. We just talked about the Washington Commanders. Will they take their first L against the Bills? If Look, if they do, if the Commanders beat the Buffalo Bills, then I'll have to reevaluate how I feel about Josh Allen. And I think that's fair. And Sam Howell. Yeah, I'll, and Sam Howell. Everything will change if they do. But I, I just can't see the Bills losing to the Commanders. But if the Commanders get to 3-0... That's a real dent in the Rams' playoff chances. True. They are they are a wild card factor now coming out of a tough NFC East that maybe few gave them the chance to be at the start of the year. And then here's the other one, because you mentioned the Chargers. This, to me, is the game of the week. Someone's going to 0-3. Mm -hmm. The Chargers or the Vikings? Wow. 
Maybe some people in LA are saying, hey, anytime the Chargers lose is a good day for me, I'm rooting against the Chargers go Vikings. I would say if you're a Rams fan, table those emotions. Chargers beating Vikings would be good for LA playoff chances. It can't. The, the Chargers cannot go to 0 3. They won't go to 0 3. I think that roster is better than Minnesota's. I really do. I, I think the best part of the Minnesota offense is now in New York. I take that back. The second best part of their offense is now in New York, and it really hurt them, and they're never going to find that again, that balance. So, Not even e- with Cam Akers. Eventually, I think the Chargers will get it right, and it'll probably be this week. I think so, too. Yeah. However, as porous as their defense has been, as proficient as they've been at blowing fourth-quarter leads, Minnesota can score some points. Yeah. We wouldn't be stunned to wake up Monday morning being like, wow. This Brandon Staley defense is a problem. No, they should be. I mean, you should be a lot better on both sides of the football than you are, and you should not be at 0-2. So there is something going on systematically within that building. If they figure it out or if the players decide we're just going to do it on our own, they're going to wind up getting the victory, and it could be over Minnesota. Here are your NFC West games. The Giants at Levi's Stadium taking on the 49ers without Saquon as we speak, and then the Cowboys at the Cardinals, also one to keep an eye on. And uh, Seattle is back home. How about that Seattle? Gritty road win in overtime against the Detroit Lions. Well, Geno is not done. And Pete Carroll is not done. That's a pretty good football team. You know what? I'm rooting for Seattle from here on out, except for that one game that we have with them here. Because the the farther we go, I, I want that win in Seattle to mean something. You know, and not have Seattle be a bad football team. So I'm glad they got the win this week. As long as they beat the Panthers at home this Sunday, Mm -hmm. you can bank on me taking Carolina in our playoff eliminator at (laughs) 0-3 next week. But if not, good on you, Panthers. Love it. We'll take it. Key to victory. Give me one on the way out here. Bengals and Rams coming your way Monday night football. You know, look, you got a game tackle. And Joe Burrow is ailing, you can tell. And at some point, they're going to turn vertical. So you're going to have to cover up deep. But... You need more pass rush. This is not the same offensive line or the same offense you face versus San Francisco. So I would say this. If you're Byron Young, if you're Michael Hoyt, try something. Try something off the edge. I guarantee you it'll work. Get pressure on Burrow. Get the ball out. And when he does, gang tackle. On offense, Stafford, keep cooking, man. Keep cooking and keep finding Puka Nakua. And look, hopefully Van Jefferson will will, will join the club and, and make it a three-headed monster. And all we're doing is buying time till Cooper Cup arrives or gets healthy again but look van jefferson we need you on monday night to win this football how about van as the first rams receiver to catch a touchdown this year that would be awesome and then spike at a mile high yep here's my key same as it was in super bowl 56 so much has changed in this matchup over the course of nearly two years the mvp of that game won't play von miller isn't walking out of that rams locker room but the Bengals' offensive line is still suspect not one piece graded inside the top 20 at their position according to pro football focus four out of five are outside the top 30 the unit has struggled to protect ranking 31st in pass block win rate among interior offensive lines according to espn to me that points to one man who wears 99 and he's an easy key to victory every single week but i'm going with aaron donald again just like it was in super bowl 56 give him a chance to take a wrecking ball to the bengals offensive line and fly home happy this is football wounded fawn on serengeti no one feels bad if Joe Burrow can't run, good. Go get him, Aaron. Absolutely. Oh, and cover punts. Didn't Cincinnati return They a punt? returned a punt? Yeah. I was cover. holding it for our uh, Between the Horns <laughs> podcast because I knew you would have it circled, but you got it out of me. Good for you, DeMarco. Good to be with you. Looking forward to Monday Night Football in the jungle, Cincinnati. For DFAR, I'm JB Long. Thank you, as always, for being with us for Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.